Hey, my name is Kevin Clark. I'm the host of a new football podcast called Slow News Day. I want to tell you about it. On Mondays, Lindsey Jones and I will recap the weekend in football that was, as well as look ahead to what's next. On Wednesday, the normal Slow News Day, the thing you've been watching for years, current players, current coaches, current analysts talking about the football world. And on Friday, it's a wild card. Could be some college football, could be more pro stuff. It's a video podcast, so you can watch it on Spotify or listen to it wherever you get your podcasts. Follow on Spotify. It's Slow News Day. It's the Ringers Philly special presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all in one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. This episode is brought to you by UGG. Y'all know UGG is a brand that athletes wear all the time in the tunnel and on travel days. Well, I bet you think UGG season is only during the colder months of the year. Oh, contraire. You're wrong. You need to check out the latest spring drop from UGG. They have everything from sandals to clogs. I like the sandals. UGG has you covered for your next spring adventure. Shop the Golden Collection at UGG.com. Hello and welcome to the Ringers Philly special. I am Chris Ryan. I'm joined as always by Raheem Palmer. It's the Sixer show. Raheem, how are you doing, man? After the night that could have been the Super Bowl of the regular season and really wasn't much about anything. Me personally, I'm doing great. But, you know, as far as my Sixers fandom I'm, and my MB fandom, I'm very disappointed. Like, I, I cannot explain my disappointment. Oh, gosh. All right, let's break this down. So here's the state of the Sixers. They're 49 and 26. They're third in the East. They're losers of three straight. Still have the fourth best offense, seventh best defense in the NBA. And on Monday night, at the end of this road trip on the West Coast and on the Western United States, it was the game that we had all been waiting for, man. After weeks and months of hype, the two leading candidates for the MVP award, uh, an award that has spawned a debate that is almost like subsumed the NBA season in a lot of ways. There's much more talk about who's going to win the MVP than who's going to win the finals. And we're going to supposed to get Jokic and Embiid on Monday night. It's the return match. They had played earlier in the season and Embiid had one of his standout games against Jokic in Philly. This was going to be in Denver. Uh, Joel Embiid winds up playing something like 70, 80 minutes over the course of a back-to-back against Golden State and Phoenix Sunday is the day off and before this national game. It's going to be on NBA TV on Monday night. There are no tournament games, no men's tournament games at least, so it's going to be like kind of a, a big focal point game. And you and me, Raheem, we've been talking about this for weeks, like, oh, this is going to be a loser leaves town. This is going to be this amazing, like, you know, litmus test of where we're at and what Joel can do against one of the best players in the league. And Joel doesn't play because of calf, t- calf tightness. Um, what was your initial reaction when you saw Woj tweet out that Joel was out for tonight? Okay, so there's two things with this. I was like, 
angry, but at the same time, I knew that he should not play that game. My problem is why in the world, you know, you had a calf injury in the in the Bulls game where you could not finish the game. Didn't you come left back the game out. In the second quarter. Yeah. Yeah. Why are you playing a Friday, Saturday back to back against two West Coast teams? That was like infuriating to me. So it's just like, hey, look, if you're legitimately injured, that's fine. But you should not be playing a back to back. And to me, I'm more frustrated with the Sixers' inability to properly load manage him. Because to me, like, why are you playing that back to back? Load manage him either against Golden State or load manage him against Phoenix or load manage him both. Give him, you know, ample time to rest this calf. But he has to play that Nuggets game. He has to. You can't like go balls to the wall and you can't go all out and tell Draymond, hey, look, I took it personally that, you know, you said Jokic was the most dangerous offensive player. You go hard against Kevin Looney and Bismack Biombo and then. When Jokic is here, you cut this wrestling promo with the athletic and then don't play. You can't do that. This is the context Raheem's talking about here is that before Woj announced that Joel would be sitting out on Monday night or that the Sixers were holding him out or that he was injured, however you want to read read between the lines there, there was a Sham a Shams piece in the athletic that's a QA with Embiid that has, I think. It's safe to say some thinly veiled shots at Jokic and the analytics community's championing of Jokic as an MVP and goes into a lot of stuff about how Embiid thinks that everybody sees him as the bad guy and the villain and like this weird perception he has of himself as like a wrestling heel, but also really like makes the case that like this was the year that he was sort of putting the MVP race out of his mind while also making his case for the MVP, which is like I'm basically a defensive player of the year candidate every year. And even if analytics say that Jokic is good at defense, like he's not really. So you've got that whole thing propping this up on top of it. The last couple of weeks, as anybody on any side of this debate or just a casual observer of it will tell you is that this has sucked. We've now taken like this thing that when we were kids, we used to start talking about maybe in April of who's going to win MVP. And it really had nothing to do with the season. I mean, obviously it means a lot to the players and certain fan bases. And it was great when Iverson won. And I'm not denying that. And like, it's interesting to talk about in theory, but we've gone from this being kind of an afterthought in a regular season to you start talking about it in pretty much late October, November, there's MVP ladders and straw polls and constant discussion of it. And then on a night to night basis, you've basically got who of these guys is like currently the betting favorite. Who's currently in the lead. Who do, who does the media have Are Philly fans unhinged and like poisoning the debate Are Denver Jokic stands poisoning the debate, all this stuff. Now we get the worst of both worlds because we had to live through that whole stupid debate and we didn't get the Super Bowl. It's like, this is the, it would be like waiting yeah. two weeks for the Super Bowl game and then being like the Super Bowl will not be broadcast tonight. So, like, they couldn't even turn this into the spectacle that it deserved to be turned into. Yeah, it, it's it's unreal. Like, I mean, and, and for me, it's like they had the opportunity to make it happen. All you got to do is low manage MV. 
Don't play him with a back-to-back. If he's hurt, why is he playing back-to-backs? And, you know, it's possible that he could have, you know, re-aggravated things in Phoenix. But there's no reason that, you know, Doc Rivers said in his press conference right after the, after the Bulls game, you hear Calf and we just, you know, we just take him out of the game. The first priority is to be healthy. If his first priority is to be healthy, why are you playing back-to-backs with seven games left in the season? That, like, was infuriating. And then to follow it up by not having him play against Jokic, I just, honestly, I am a Sixers fan. I'm a Joel Embiid fan. If he lost the MVP, I wouldn't even care anymore. Right. Because I think it was that bad. It, it, it just looks that bad when you combine it with the athletic article. It looks that bad. So when asked about Harden and Embiid being out, Doc said, and I quote, yeah, they're not 100%. It's not worth the risk. This is not even rocket science. If this was a playoff game, everyone plays, you know? So yeah, this is not difficult. This is not us sitting in a room flipping a coin. These are very easy decisions for us. Fair enough. Fair enough. I would argue that the Denver game in the grand scheme of things, is about as close to a playoff game as you can get in the regular season when you think about the importance it has. And the Phoenix game means nothing. Yeah, absolutely nothing. I, 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 and that's, that's my problem. Like, you know, if these were East Coast teams that they were playing on the back-to-back, you know, let's just say that they were playing, you know, Miami or, you know, Boston. The or Wizards Milwaukee or whatever, or, yeah. Yeah, the Wizards. I say, you know what? Play the back-to-back. Those games are, like, going to impact our seeding. You know, I mean, now, granted, you know, you still need those wins to, to pass Boston in the, the two-seed. But a, a, a road roll back-to-back against two West Coast teams? Come on, man. After Embiid's calf injury? No. I, I just, I can't co-sign it. And I don't, I don't think Embiid was ducking. I just think, you know, the one thing, you know, Nate Jones on Twitter has consistently said is that a lot of guys want to play, but the analytics departments are saying, you know, there's a certain allotment of minutes. There's a there's a certain time period where you just you can't play X, X amount of games in a row. Yeah, and, and I get that. I, I, I totally get. Yeah. That. I mean, we I've seen you see it with Jamal Murray. You see it with KD where you're like, I wonder if. Those forty-one minute games that you you've been racking up, whatever it is, is like led to that injury or this injury. I completely get it. I can tell you this right now. If Allen Iverson was in the MVP race against, let's say, Kobe Bryant or Vince Carter, and they were meeting head to head, and the Sixers medical staff told him he couldn't play, he would have had crew thick. <laughs> kidnapped larry brown dude like if (laughs) can you imagine ai like where do you think load management would be on the list of things that they needed to discuss with ai (laughs) (laughs) it just it just wouldn't have happened like alan iverson is playing that game um i think my thing about this is is that as a philadelphia fan it may not be rational but you know the games that matter to you boston the bucks the heat the Lakers, the Knicks, like there are games that have, whether they're historical relevance in terms of like franchise versus franchise rivalries, whether they're more recent rivalries like the Heat, whether it's uh, just like kind of psychological warfare like it is with Boston. And, and, you know, you want to test yourself against the Bucks, the best team in the league, probably. All those games, like you would just be like, why? Like, I just want, let's create a world in which our best players are available for the biggest games. And I think that, 
the NFL does this really well, where it's like Thursday nights and you're watching like the Texans and, and the Browns and you're like, what am I doing with my life? But that kind of gets hidden. When it's Sunday night football, when it's Monday night football, when it's the four o'clock game on Sunday, more often than not, you feel like you're watching the big guns, the, the really big, important players going head to head. And the NBA just cannot seem to wrap its arms around this this problem. And I, I, I don't know whether it's a load management problem or if it's a, a league-wide problem you know, like what are the things that these guys need to do to make sure that they can be ready for a national TV game? Because that's where the most people are going to be exposed to our product. But we're talking about a team in Denver that leads the Western conference that most people in Denver can't even watch on TV. And you're talking about two guys who are nominally faces of the league and they play twice a year and there's seven games left and the MVP race is dead even, and they're both going to the playoffs, and they both have finals aspirations, and this gets screwed up because MB plays a bunch on a back-to-back. And it's just bad management. It's bad product management as, like, as like the NBA. And, like, I'm sure something will come out, like, MB was fine, and then he stepped wrong, and it tweaked it, or they got, like, a scan, or a, some guy was like, yeah, you know, it was like, if he goes here, he'll be in the red, and we've only got seven games left. I get all the reasoning. But it's just like you robbed everybody of the regular season. They're going to turn into baseball if they don't if they don't figure out a way to get these regular season games to matter more. Yeah, and you know, like on one hand, I thought it was a load management issue. Sometimes it's a scheduling issue. But in this case, you know, this wasn't a back to back. I I feel for Giannis in the Milwaukee Bucks because they actually had to play. They actually had to play the Nuggets on the second night of a back-to-back. You know, so, like, they were in a bad spot, and Giannis still played. Yeah. You know, the, the Sixers actually had a day off in between. Now, they're playing three and four, but, you know, they had a day off. And you could have given Embiid multiple days off. You could have gave him off from from Wednesday to Saturday. Or you could have just get, you, you could have had him play Friday and then given him off the entire weekend. So to me, this is just the Sixers saying, look, Embiid has already put up 47 and 15 on, on Jokic. He has more to lose. Yeah. Yeah. But it's also Which like, is just, I, and I understand that it's traveled to Denver in altitude, in a place where Jokic never loses, in a place where he does play really well. Where I don't think Embiid has historically played great, but I'd have to like go look. It just feels like anecdotal. I mean, he hasn't thinking. played there in four seats. He hasn't played there since Yeah, I mean, so like, what are we talking about then? then that, that's all fine and good. And maybe it's just like, you know what, man? We don't want our best player to go out and get vaporized tonight. You know, and that's not the best vibe to take into the end of the season, into the postseason. That's all good. Then hit up Shams and be like, man, can you wait a day or two on this interview? Because that interview yeah. was a hype interview. That interview was like a walk-up interview where you're basically like, get psyched for tonight and Bede's talking his shit and he's about to go play Joker. And if you're not like, if that's not what that was, then I don't know what I'm doing in this business, but that's what I thought that was. And so I just think it's kind of like, it's kind of a joke, honestly, to do that interview and have it go up on Monday. And 10 minutes later, Woj is like, he's not playing tonight. And then to make matters worse, Kurt Goldstreet, I mean, not Goldstreet, Kurt Goldsberry, he actually put out a Jokic hit piece (laughs) on ESPN. So it's just like, like, Embiid was in a position to victory. Oh, Goldsberry? Yeah, Goldsberry, yeah. Yeah, like, Kurt. he was, like, literally, like, the media was saying, look, it's Embiid's award to to lose at this point. 
Like, it was all lined up for him. Like, MB could have gone out there and dropped 40 in a loss without James Harden, and he probably wins the war. And you saw it reflected in the betting markets to where MB went from like a minus 150 favorite to now he's he's an underdog. That's how bad that looked. And I, I truly believe that a lot of and, and Kendrick per- Perkins said this. I'm going to remember this. And I, I do think that might have swung the MVP race. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York. You want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away? Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And so that gets into a, a number of ripple effects that come out of this decision not to play Embiid. Number one of which is we get to live in the hell that is people being like, Embiid doesn't want the smoke, Embiid's ducking Jokic. And honestly, like, I'm done. I'm done arguing about this. This is like such a waste of time to have been talking about this MVP race more than anything else since the fall, essentially. And now we get to this culmination and the, basically the air gets let out of the balloon. I don't care who wins the MVP. I don't really have like the analytical brain to tell you what stat matters more and what Jokic is better or worse than at at Embiid. I just know that it sucks that these two guys didn't play. And now instead of it being, what did Embiid do against Jokic or what did Jokic do against Embiid? Regardless of who won, that told us a little bit about their games and their value to their team and the value to the league. Instead, it's going to be a lot of hypothetical hot takes about like Embiid ducking dudes. And I honestly just feel like the Sixers maybe put him in a bad spot. You know, or maybe the maybe Embiid put himself in a bad spot by going too hard against Phoenix when it's like, dude, you know what people are looking for. People don't really care about you playing against a Durantless. Sons, they care about this Nuggets game. Let's make it happen. Yeah, it, it's it's just entirely. It's so disappointing that I just, like you said, I don't care about the MVP race anymore. Like I, I literally do not care. <laughs> like, and it's not like oh, I want to take my ball and go home. I'm like literally like I, I don't have an argument. I don't, I don't really have an argument yeah. anymore. You know, you know, like one of the one of the things I read on the internet today is that you know this is going to be that was Embiid's 14th missed game of the season. Right. And just one M- one player in NBA history has missed 12 plus games and still won the MVP award. And that's Bill Walton in 1977-1978. He missed 24 games. Um I think people would have been willing to give MB that pass. I just think people wanted him to win the award. But when you miss a game like that, 
you just you you give everybody pause. So yeah, it's very disappointing. And it certainly takes the the bite out of the argument for him. Whether or not you think that the yeah. missing one game is like a, a disqualifier or not, like I doubt it. It's not. It's like if he had sat against Phoenix, it's not like this would have changed anything. We wouldn't have been like, oh, Embiid, he's he's, he's gambling with his MVP trophy here. The most everybody thing, was watching, and that's the that's the crazy thing. Everyone was watching March Madness this weekend. Nobody even cared about his forty point game against the the Warriors. Right. Everybody was watching March Mad- March Madness. Right. So it's just like. You perform, you you play and perform at a time where nobody cared. <laughs> and then, you know what? It's like let's talk about the load management part of this because I want to get into some of the other kind of like knock on effects here. Seven games left in the season, not an easy seven games. Sixers have lost three in a row, and their best two players are ha- holding leg injuries. Yeah, I mean we we spoke last week about how it was the priority. For this team to be healthy going into the postseason, and you have James Harden with Achilles injury and Joel Embiid with a calf injury, and then they they like, how can we even trust the Sixers medical staff? Like, how can you trust them at this point in time? I mean, James Harden's been held out, but the fact that Joel Embiid would play a back to back with a calf injury is just. It's absolutely mind-boggling. Yeah. And, you know, fortunately, we have a couple weeks to the playoffs, so I do think that they're going to be healthy. But you can't trust that this medical staff is going to do the right thing. I don't think that there's some sort of grand plan at work here where the Sixers are doing what I'm about to say that some people are saying that they're doing, but I might as well just throw it out there, which is that they are tanking to get out of the, the three seed. The Currently, the Sixers mm. have lost three in a row. I believe the Cavs have won four in a row. The Heat are going to be the sixth seed, probably. And you could make the argument that that it would be, you know, that the Sixers would rather play the Knicks than they would the Heat. I mean, that's crazy to me, too. I mean, like, I'm I'm just putting it out there. I mean, that's crazy to me because, I mean, the Heat just lost to the Nets by 29. Yeah. So to me, it's like, we don't even know if the Heat are going to make the. The playoffs, right? They might be in the. I mean, they could be a play. They could be a playing team, and you know who knows what happens if they if during the play in. I mean, the Heat have two home games left, and they're like they've been pretty bad on the road this season. I think what are the Heat on the road this year? They're fifteen and twenty one. I've never. I honestly don't know if I've ever seen a bad team this this greatly feared. I'm not sure. I mean, I had this conversation with with Bill and House and JJ in our group chat, and I'm not sure they should be feared. Like, and I asked this the other day because, you know, the Bulls are playing so well. And, you know, a lot of people are saying, you know, we need need to watch out for the Bulls. I think the Bulls might be, we might need to fear the Bulls a little bit more than the the Heat at this point in time. Right. I mean, I'm trying not to get, become a scaredy cat about this because I, I feel like this season has been especially the second half of the season has been the most in control and confident Sixers team that I've seen in a really long time. And so yeah. I'm trying not to be like, well, let's like, let's work it out so that like, we don't have to see Jimmy Butler and then we get this and then we get that. Like, I think we should just like, we're going to have to play really good players in the playoffs. Joel and James are going to have to be as healthy as they possibly can. Cause they're going to have big, big workloads. So let's not like try to like over program this, but at the same time, 
it's kind of weird to look at this three-game losing streak and be like, oh, I wonder whether or not that might benefit the Sixers to kind of sputter into the playoffs a little bit. I would much rather be the Sixers team that we saw two weeks ago that was just kicking ass everywhere and coming back from 15 yeah. down and stuff. But, you know, I'm I'm just saying the debate is out there. It's important to report the fa- like what's the discourse is, you know? Yeah. I just I I just don't think we're taking. I I just can't imagine that we would tank for this Heat team. I think you know, I think we're fully capable of exercising those Heat demons from last year. When you look at you know last year's team and this year's team is completely different. Um, you know I felt like more was going to need an off season to you know really fortify our bench, um, and get the role players together. And you you see with guys like Melton and PJ and we're just a much different team. Um, right. And I think they're a much worse team. So. I I don't see any reason that this, like this Sixers team needs to tank. We're just not healthy right now, yeah, and that's unfortunate. So I guess we should, we discussed this health thing, and we discussed the idea of Harden and Embiid kind of nursing injuries going into the the playoffs. Um, I don't I don't think they're tanking per se, but I do think that this has been a little bit of a wobble, and I hope that look. I mean, Embiid listens to what people say. This is this is a dude who's obviously aware of the dialogue and the discourse surrounding his career and where he's at. So I hope that when he's feeling better, he comes out and this is, does not affect him. The all the like you're ducking this and you're 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 you wanted to avoid Jokic stuff. Like I hope he gets his head clear and that they just get into it. Let's talk about a couple of other like minor Sixers things, like lesser Sixers things. Number one, I just wanted to get your take. I think Maybe mm-hmm. after the regular season, we should have a conversation about the arena uh, when we have a little bit of time mm-hmm. to kind of discuss it. So for people who don't mm-hmm. know, the Sixers are looking into uh, moving from South Philadelphia to an area in downtown right next to Chinatown in Philadelphia in uh, what used to be the Gallery Mall, right? Is that that's the correct location? Um, yeah. So I mean, well, I mean the, terminal the fashion district. Center. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the fashion district will still be there. Um, or or are they knocking down the fashion district? <laughs> I'm I'm not sure, but they're they're talking about moving in down on Market Street, I think, in that area. So it's been a controversial conversation in Philadelphia for a little while now. The thing I wanted to ask you about today is Sixers owner Josh Harris is apparently one of the final bidders for the Washington Commanders. So Harris, uh, I believe, either grew up in Maryland or was born in Maryland, but grew, like followed the Sixers in high school when Dr. J was there, and hence the connection. But uh, Harris's ownership group has been very aggressive pursuing. They they went after the Broncos. They didn't get the Broncos. Uh, they went. They're they're making this bid for the Commanders. They've been in the mix for some European soccer teams. But do you care at all that the owner of the Philadelphia 76ers also owns the Washington Commanders? I know you're a Cowboys fan. It doesn't really matter to you. But what do you think of that? I mean, he also owns the New Jersey Devils too. So yeah. it just it, it kind of just feels like you know he's just he's a rich guy. Went to University of Pennsylvania, Wharton School of Business, graduated '86. Um, he's a Quaker, so he's kind of he's family over here. Um, uh-huh. But at the end of the day, it's just like he's a billionaire and he's going to invest in as many teams as he wants, you know. So um, it's hard to really care. Um, the only thing I care about is that he doesn't move the Sixers to Camden. Right. Which is, you know, one of the things that, you know, that's been talked about for quite some time. And I think, you know, if things fall through in terms of the Sixers not being able to move downtown or get a get an arena, you know, somewhere else other than the sports complex, I can see that happening. And that would kind of make me angry. 
Pray for traffic on the Ben Franklin Bridge if that happens. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah, um, okay, we'll get more into the arena a little bit later uh, in the mm-hmm. month, but I wanted to ask you a little bit about a looming um, roster tactical situation that we've got going where Dwayne Dedman is DOA. Like like this guy that we got on the buyout market as a backup five. I, I, I'm sure he's a wonderful person who brings incredible vibes to the locker room, but like I just don't think you can play him. Looking like Larry Holmes, flabby and sick. Um, yeah, he's he's definitely Larry Holmes status. I, I just I, you can't play him at all. Um, I would rather play Montrez than him at this point. Like, I, I just, mean, luckily, I, like it does feel like Paul's got his his hands around the backup five minutes now, though. Yeah, I I, I agree with that. Um, yeah, I just to me, he's just he's not adding anything on offense or defense at this point. So, um, yeah, I, I'm with you. <laughs> um, I was also just going to mention I wanted to see what your take was about uh, Jalen McDaniels these days because that I you know if we're going to knock Daryl for the backup five pickup the Jalen McDaniels trade looks really good to me I've really enjoyed my last couple weeks with him yeah I mean he kind of got robbed yesterday on a, like a, a monster defensive play um, which was probably a block and obviously Jeff Green was out of bounds. We should have had the ball down three. But I just love his energy. Um, he's a guy that you don't have to run plays for. Um, he's always making the cuts. Um, um, and it just he could he could get like key rebounds, key putbacks. I just I love his energy. I mean he's solid defensively. I mean we saw in that Miami we saw in that Milwaukee game. He was key in helping us win that game against yeah. Milwaukee on the road. Um, so I think he's going to be a, a key piece off the bench in the postseason. Um, especially, you know, when times when Tobias doesn't really have it going, I, it wouldn't surprise me if, I mean, he's a guy who is just coming in and, and just, you know, offering a spark. Um, so I, I really like his addition. Um, you know, it hurt to see Thibel leave. Um, but I mean, we have a guy who can actually play now. I mean, it's, it does feel like all the consequential trades that Daryl Morey has made, he won. Clearly he won Harden for Simmons. Uh, yeah. Simmons is shut down for the rest of the season. It might be one of the worst contracts in the NBA. It's 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 a really sad situation b- beyond the fact that like it was a trade that Daryl Morey won. Obviously, Harden has, I think, evened out this team in so many ways, both obvious and and subtle, and made Embiid an even more dangerous player because Embiid doesn't have to make do as much playmaking and do as much ball handling as he has in the past. The maxi thing seems to have clicked into place. Tobias might be is certainly overpaid for a fourth option, but is is certainly a competent one. And then I think that the wings that we have now, while maybe not with the exception of McDaniel's, the most dynamite defenders in Niang and McDaniel's and House, is like a really competent group of wings to to help out with PJ. I, I totally agree with that. I like I can't argue with that at all. It's, it's like. Even like his free agent additions, like I just feel like he's pushed all the right buttons to improve this team. Um, um, I just wasn't a fan of the, the last two regimes from what we saw from Brett Brown and Colangelo. I mean, we got Brett Brown who traded, you know, Mikael Bridges for Zaire. Yeah, and just Zaire just didn't give us anything. And you know, before that, you got Colangelo who just, to me, I just, I just didn't like what he brought to the table. So I think. 
Daryl Moore, he took a bad situation and he turned it into, you know, James Harden at the end of the day. And he added um, Melton. I think Melton has probably been the best pickup that we've had. Um, PJ has been a little rough around the edges, but I think you're going to see his value in the po- in the postseason when he has to guard, you know, the top tier players. So yeah. I think, I, I, I mean, like, you know, it's so funny because Daryl Morey got criticized a ton last year. Um, and people were saying, oh, yeah, you got to make a trade. And, you know, people were saying, you know, we needed to trade him for Fox and we needed to trade him for, you know, Halliburton. And, and you know, you get James Harden. So him, you know, holding on, not panicking and waiting for his guy. Um, it got us in the position we are today. And I'm, I'm thankful for it. It's probably the reason why we're more torqued up about these guys being a little dinged up as the, we get towards the end of the regular season is that this is the best team that we've had in the Embiid era. So it's hard to see it if it's like, oh my gosh, like are these guys carrying like soft tissue injuries and things that can get aggravated? And if Harden steps in the wrong thing, could his Achilles go? And if Embiid does something wrong, is his calf going to get hurt? And I just would hate for that to be the reason why we lost. I'd love to see a, a, like a full-strength Sixers team take it to the Eastern Conference. Yeah, I would love to see the same thing. I just, I don't, I just, like you said, we we just have suffered enough with injuries. Like, even if you you go back to the 2019 team, Embiid was hurt in that that Raptors. In fact, he was sick in that Raptors series. Right. What was it, game four, game four, game five or so? Game four or game five, he was sick. And I think that kind of allowed the Raptors to, to, to steal that series. Um, we've had other times where, you know, Simmons was hurt. Yeah. Um, in the bubble. Um, we've had MB hurt. It's just we've just never been fully healthy. And then even last year, James Harden wasn't James Harden. He was a guy who couldn't rehab during the reg- during the offseason because of his hamstring injury. And he suffered the entire year. So it's just like now I just want everybody to be healthy going into the postseason. Give us give us a fair run. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's all we uh, that's all we that's all we want. Um we can wrap it up there, man, unless you had anything else you wanted to hit. Uh, we'll have more uh, Philly sports coverage on the Ringers Philly special this week from Shield and the gang. And uh, an interesting rest of the season for the Sixers. Got a Mavericks game coming up. Uh, you know, I could see some volatility in the standings, but we'll have to see whether or not who, who's making moves. Like, like we were talking about with Miami. It seemed like they were on a roll, then they fell off. It seemed like... Chicago's come in, but I don't know how many spots they can leap in the next couple of uh, the next 10 days or so or next two weeks. So we'll see what's going on. Raheem, thank you so much for joining me. Ho, ho. Before we go, we got seven games left. How many games do Joel and Veed and, and James Harden play? Four. They both play four? I think so. Okay. Yeah. Okay. If how many, to, how many mean, do you how many do you want them to play? If it's going to be like this, it's four. Like, I mean, I'm not getting myself worked up for any more regular. It's not like I'm getting hyped for, like, Luka versus Embiid. You know what I mean? Like, that. Yeah. I, I got hyped up for Jokic versus Embiid, and that was what it was. And now let me know when he's playing, you know? But we were going to podcast last uh, night, and we, we were just like, what's the point, really, you know? Yeah. I, I, I want to see Embiid play against Giannis. I want to see him play against Giannis, and I want to see him play that Celtics game. Yeah. Like I, I need, I need a full strength Sixers team for those games if we're healthy. But besides that, I mean, we can rest the rest of the season. Well, uh, I mean, I wonder whether or not once we get to those games, if if Milwaukee is like fully like walked away with the one seed, like do they start resting guys? You know? Yeah. 
that that's going to be interesting. Well, I mean, we'll we'll see next week, I guess. Yeah. All right, Raheem, I'll talk to you soon, man. All right, no doubt.